Hello, event experts and enthusiasts, and everyone in between. I'm Hayley Haggerty, and you're listening to In Case of an Event. In this episode of In Case of an Event, Jim Sharp, CEO of Aventry, is going to discuss the power of AI. Eventry is one of the largest event management software systems out there, with clients such as Airbus and Amazon serving millions of attendees live or virtually. Jim chats to me about digital badges, the future of networking driven through AI, tracking technologies, and understanding why and how when we capture all this data, making sure we're putting it to use. Jim, welcome to the show. I'm really, really happy to have you on the show. Well, great. It's uh, great to be here. Thank you for having me, Haley. Looking forward to the discussion. Yeah, me too. So first of all, you started your role at Aventry early 2020. Obviously, you went through a tremendous shift in the event space. How did you adapt to your role in new industry during the COVID pandemic? It's a, it's a big question. You know, a bit of background on myself before I get into uh, the specifics of the role here was that I've spent uh, most of my career in tech-enabled services, and I had worked for a combined 12 years at an innovative business called GLG. And what we had done was we had pioneered the way that industry professionals connected with one another. And so I've always been very passionate about businesses that bring right minds together. And, uh, you know, at Aventry, our tagline is uh, connect better. So it was right on point there. But I think one thing that I did learn a bit about while at that GLG timeframe was also the power of AI to help drive better decision-making, which is something that we're carrying with us into the event space right now. And Jim, without sharing any secret intellect, or please do, (laughs) what makes Aventry equipped to be an all-in-one event platform solution? I have come to use Aventry for registration purposes and not really anything beyond that, quite honestly. So I would love to learn more about your platform And also, what differentiates it? You've been in the industry for decades. That's great. You've got that one-up advantage. What else are you working on to make sure that you are differentiated from other event platforms? From a differentiation perspective, one of the main differentiators is ease of use, which is that we endeavor every day to make our products and our capabilities easy to use. Part of that is because we are a true all-in-one platform. So as opposed to an event planner or an attendee having to hop back and forth in between different places to attend an event. We, we provide it all in one place. So start to finish, our customers can use us. So there's this whole ease of use piece. The second is privacy and security. So we are well known as perhaps the only provider that meets the security and privacy concerns of some of the largest industries out there that care about that the most. And that shows in our customer base, whether it's the data centers around the globe that meet certain compliance regulations, or even just having one platform means you have less hands touching the data that's going through the system. So there's this huge privacy differentiator that plays in. And then there's also this data element, which is big in that more than ever before, you need to track attendance and performance and behavior across all parts of the event. We provide that. We've always provided that. Continue to invest in that differentiation. And the last thing I'll say is really just that on networking. We've approached networking at the outset in a hybrid format, meaning how do attendees connect with one another live, virtually, or hybrid without it making a difference where they are at the event? And from that perspective, with the mobile app sitting at the middle of it, we've always been differentiated in the fact that our networking capabilities are not only AI driven, but they're also just more robust than a lot of the other platforms that are out there. And 
that's something I'm really intrigued about your AI driven platform and the networking capabilities. Like you said, we want to talk more about AI driven registration. And I know there is some things that you're working on and you're, you're utilizing right now. So how do you think AI is transforming the event and registration business? And yeah, how are you going to be utilizing that technology to really, like you say, to identify people, to network, to make sure that people are sourcing from the right exhibitors and they're finding the right exhibitors, for example, in a trade show? Yeah, absolutely. So when we talk about the word AI, I've, I've, been, I've commented publicly about the fact that there are different definitions of artificial intelligence. You know, if you're following the Ray Kurzweil definition, you're talking about mimicking human, human thought and behavior. The more watered down definition is, can we help leverage machines to make smarter decisions? And that's a lower bar. And that's a bar that the events industry has cleared thus far. So there's a lot of, there's capability going on right now in, in AI. And where it's applying, we think uh, today is in the, the way that people are networked. So for example, when you are within the eventry platform, one of the first things it does is ask you a couple of questions about yourself and then takes those answers and your registration data and pairs you up with recommended contacts that you should meet while at the event. And if you think about attending an event, one of the main reasons we attend events is to network or to do business or whatever it might be. And But it's been difficult with virtual events. Many of them uh, fall flat on networking. So the AI engines right now are self-teaching so that when we make a recommendation, if the people pair up, it learns. If they, they do not pair up, it learns. But overall, it provides a smarter way for people to network with one another. The future applications of this, we're excited about where this goes in the future, which would be, we would hope and expect that if you're at a live event in the future or a, a virtual event, that the actual mobile app will be leveraging AI to recommend exactly how to spend your time while at that event. So not just who do you network with, but you know, walk 500 feet in that direction. There's someone at the coffee bar you should meet. We've updated your agenda for you because we think the ne next session will be more interesting to you based on what you spent the last day doing. If you can imagine that, we've all been to so many events where you're walking around the show floor, you don't know exactly what to do. You're looking at people's name tags to try to spark up a conversation or do some business. Right. You know, just imagine the power of AI helping to drive you through that process. So we are uh, investing in and excited about the capabilities of AI. There's also a huge data element of this, which was, all right, you've collected all the data from your event. So what? What do you do with it next? And we think that artificial intelligence can also help you drive the uh, marketing efforts that you put in place to generate that ROI. So we do think that many of the events to date, especially the virtual events of last year, many of them fell flat on the networking front just because it was early and new. And people thought if they just set up chat rooms that it would be great for networking, you actually needed a far more robust set of capabilities than that. So if you look now within a, a platform like Eventry, you have these virtual booths where someone can meet with an exhibitor over video live while attending a virtual event. That would be incredibly insightful. You know, we, we're talking about this actually right now in my team. We ask what your areas of interest are in the registration and we make some decisions based on that. And, you know, that's not quite accurate information. We understand that the data, some people just pick a box to get through to the next page. So I would love to have that insight to actually make really, really intelligent business decisions about our events. And if you're oversimplifying, you're just looking at the registration data. If you're taking to the next level, you're looking at engagement data, dwell times, where everybody's spending their time, who they're connecting with. And then that allows you to take that information and put it to work. Yeah. What's your timeline on this? <laughs> always a work in progress. I get it. You'll always be roadmapping to improvements, but 
Can we use this next year? <laughs> uh, well, yes. I, I, the, so I'll tell you right now is that some of the improvements that we're rolling out in registration will be out in Q3 of this year. Much of those pertain to ease of use, simplicity, and convenience of registration. Uh, and then in terms of the way that that can be woven into additional capabilities, that's an ongoing process and uh, definitely a 2022 item, if not sooner. Oh, that's great. Okay. I can I can get on board with that too. That timeline sounds great. And going back to the networking as well, I believe on in the networking, the power of networking and having technology support that, absolutely. What do you think about the behavior of the attending exhibitors? So we are in events, we're all in, we're always talking about events and networking. But when you actually provide that platform and opportunity to the exhibitors and attendees, what's that behavioral change that we'll have to, as an event organizer, we'll really, really have to put some investment and time into educating our attendees and exhibitors. So where is that threshold of education versus the actual capability and the the value of the networking? I think there's still quite a big gap there. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that we've seen that virtual only events, and that's because I think self-directed networking in a virtual virtual setting is difficult, meaning that people enter a room where they're having a discussion. They don't know where to look, who to reach out to. They don't know if the person on the other side of the table is interested or available. I think most businesses have learned the hard way through that. So, you know, I'll say that one promising thing is that we do expect that the live event business will go back to where it was, if not this year, then next year or the year after. And nothing beats the value of a face-to-face event. And at that event, people are going to be doing the same old networking they used to. They're going to do business together. It's going to be great, but there'll be new added capabilities. As I mentioned, we'll allow you to meet with somebody based on who's in the room there with you or who's attending virtually. Are they available? What are their interests? But what we've done is because we did find that people, that attendees don't always know how to network. That's why we built the AI recommendation engine. And what we found is that that has spurred a lot of interesting activity. So if you're just given a video chat room through which you can go network with somebody, we found that many people don't exactly know what to do next. But if you actually are recommending people to them and you say, okay, here are the eight people you probably want to meet, you know, click now to start a video chat. That tends, based on the behavior we're seeing, it tends to get them motivated and moving toward that type of networking. Same with meeting with exhibitors. If we recommend the exhibitors you should talk to, that gets people entering the virtual booths overall. So I do think to your point, Haley, like there is this sort of almost education, but it's it's a prompting as well that you need to put in place to get people to network. And I think it will be something that people will learn to adjust to and they'll, they'll understand the benefit once they've done it. But you're right. I think the prompting is going to be important and not overwhelming them with, you know, you have, well, I mean, this happens, you have 10,000 attendees, go network. That's not that's not the way AI works, but sometimes it, it can be still overwhelming when you have 500 people that you could potentially network with. That's still a lot of people. So I, I like the number you said, like the 10 people at a time, and then they'll learn from that and give you even more better suggestions. That sounds that sounds great. Yeah. And then if you think about the future of networking, so we envision a world where the network lives on after the event. So it's obviously important to be at the event and to be able to have one-to-one connections or even a breakout room. So you're sitting in the oil and gas session at some event and you want to keep in touch with the 10 people that are most interested in X, Y, and Z. Great. But can't you create like a micro community in the future where those people that networked with one another can keep in touch with one another? They can be linked to the same content that they all enjoyed. They can keep in touch with one another through a micro site or some other way of keeping that networking going, right? As opposed to you come home with a pile of paper business cards. If you don't take any action, nothing happens, right? As, as it's been in the past. So we're excited also about like the, the future of networking and content around events, which is a big topic. We do think that in the future, the event experience can become more like a Netflix experience, which is that when you register or enter a room or network, you're seeing the content based on what'd be more interesting to you. It's a combination of registration, AI, 
and networking recommendations, all this coming together. Yeah, and the content and the recommendations are very similar to what we are very used to now with the Netflix business model. So I also want to talk to you about digitalization of live events. It sounds like your platform is going to do the all-in-one and we're, I'm really excited to see and trial that. But I want to talk about badges. So my team and I are hosting like our first trade show in California in a couple of weeks time or six, five weeks time since reopening. It's going to be the first trade show in California. We're going to go badgeless and Forma have said, let's try it. Let's see what that looks like. I'm going to convert to digital credentials. So it took me, it took me a month to get on board with this, quite honestly, because a badge and a name and easy to network, I, I think it's valuable. But the more we discussed the pros versus the cons, I, I think I'm on board and I'm going to walk the walk. And I actually have an exhibitor webinar straight after this to talk about that. I'm on the front line. I know people are going to take some time to get adjusted. So I wanted to get your opinion and insight into why this is a good idea for event organizers to do this and how to do it well. Yes, it's a uh, it's a big topic. So and keep in mind that Eventry has always been in the physical badge business as well. So we have a warehouse full of badge paper mm-hmm. and printers and capabilities to get uh, physical badges to people. So we're, we're in both businesses. But uh, And frankly, the reason that people like paper badges is obvious. It allows you to see everyone's name, its affiliation. It's relatively easy to understand. It doesn't have any technical risk, you know, hand someone a paper badge. Um, but we see there's there's several reasons why we're excited about digital badges at Eventry. And we're obviously partnering with Informa on this. We, we were the partners for your team at the, the pop-up uh, magic show in Orlando in March with digital badge technology. So there's reasons why we like it. Uh, the first is that of safety. If you can navigate an event without having to wait in line, without having to touch various surfaces, especially in today's environment, there's the element of safety that is obviously very important and probably why we're moving so quickly into the digital badge era. But they're also just so easy to use. You know, Think about it. Your, your attendees are going to show up with a mobile app that's going to be guiding them through the event. They're also going to have their badge on that event, right? So it's going gonna, it's gonna to have this contactless access to the show that they're attending and how nice to not have to wait in line too, right? I mean, you can basically go up to a remote scanner, walk right in, boom, you're in the event. They know you're there. It's collecting all your data. Yeah. So it just allows you to breeze through. I know we all dislike waiting in these long lines when you register for an event. And then, you know, QR codes are easy. So if you're using a QR code technology, it allows you to have the touchless and immediate exchange of information. You can exchange contact details, which we call lead retrieval. You can get the session materials and you can even make payments right there from your mobile app with your badge. So it's a... Um, it's a very convenient way to do things, not to mention access control. Last but not least, it does it does reduce the carbon footprint of the event, right? The uh, the past days of shipping massive boxes, <laughs> UPS of gear that is designed for badge printing is something worth noting as well. So we are also very excited about it. Uh, we do think that physical badges will remain a large part of the industry now and going forward, but we are very excited about the capabilities of the uh, the digital pass and we're happy to partner with you on that. Yeah, I know we'll learn lots. And what do you think event leaders can do to change the behavior of the attendees? I think the attendees are going to love it. They're going to be like easy on the app. It's like a boarding pass. Boom, scan it. It's fine. Exhibitors, maybe not so much. I think we're going to have a hard time educating them, being like, okay, so whether or not the person has a badge on their phone or they're on their neck, you still have to ask them to scan the badge. I yeah. hope that you're doing that. So I think that would be the first thing I would say to them. Hey, you're going to ask anyway, hopefully. But what do you think we can do to actually better communicate the pros to the exhibitors who 
ultimately the number of leads are important. It's not always the best determinant of success for an event, but I think that's going to be difficult to change the mindset of some people. Yeah, I think there will be some behavioral change there for the exhibitor. So I do think that if you demonstrate to them that when someone walks into your booth at a show uh, and then with one scan of the QR code on that on that digital badge, you then are well-connected with that professional. You have a lead retrieval information. You can then have an enriching conversation and that links to your CRM so you can make the most of the, that opportunity later. I think that overall, you're right, it's going to take some, some time. I think the biggest issue will be, you've all been to events, you look over to your right, you look at someone's name tag, maybe you look at three name tags. One of those three people is the one you think is most relevant for you in that moment. Without having a physical badge, it, it will be the discovery process of that will take one extra step, but it also mean that you're you're getting more enriching information on people right out of the gates. And you're qualifying your leads before you even scan. So I, yeah, it's just telling exhibitors that I think will be interesting, but it's definitely something I'm excited to learn more about and trial and improve as, as we go down this route of digital credentials. And you mentioned before the, the carbon footprint, the sustainability. I think we print just in Informa Markets, North America, we print over 500,000 badges. That alone is enough to cover like, what, 15 football fields? <laughs> it's a lot. Absolutely. Yeah. With the event industry becoming more digital savvy, and our exhibitors are too because of the pandemic, because of the use of the hybrid model and the virtual events, we are learning more about who how, where, what the digital attendee touches at a virtual event. But how do you think that can translate into a live event? Sponsors are getting so much data from the digital. Well, what can we give them at the live event? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that that from the virtual environment, newer people were spending their time, you knew their intent. And, you know, as, as live events return, there are ways to go about ensuring that we gather more information. Now, we know that people attend events for a specific reason. They want to do business. They want to network. They want to learn something. But now there can be an elevated focus on the tracking tools at a live event that'll help enrich the current and and future attendee experience. So for one, you have the things that go on during registration. You have what what information do you have on them? You now have the session information as well of where did they spend their, where they intend to spend their time. I think back to where the future lies. One is we do think that digital badging with session scanning capabilities will allow you to track more closely where people are going around the event. Imagine, for example, if every time you enter a session at an event, you do have to scan your digital badge, which then provides both the safety elements of it, but at the same time lets the event organizer know where you're spending your time. I think that's a perfectly reasonable ask. So just the increased ability to track session management. Also, leveraging the mobile app for networking now, you will be able to see greater than ever before which connections were recommended and made on-site at that particular event. But the real value there, as you mentioned, just comes into the data. So what do you do with it? So what? You know, you have all this data on the event. How do you leverage it? And I think these tracking tools help give you a more robust set of data that you can feed into your your marketing stack to uh, to generate ROI. So I do think that you know it's a it's a transformative time in the way that we're gathering data on attendees uh, at events. And I think that as virtual moves to live and to hybrid, I do think you're going to see new tracking interests at the live event to make sure you make the most of the, the journey there. Yeah, absolutely. And there is a lot of tracking technologies out there, you know, the the Bluetooth beacons, the NFC, the RFID. What, in your opinion, is best as of right now? And what does the future hold for these types of technology that you can actually 
somewhat heat map where people are doing I know people are using that now I actually haven't used it what's your opinion on on these types of tracking technologies there are there are several different tracking technologies many of them have been around for a while right uh, I think it depends on what the goal of the tracking is so if you look at RFID you would get something like 85% tracking accuracy so you can get a heat map so to speak of where people are if you're looking at something like NFC you can get 100% accuracy on where the people are okay so there's a different level of accuracy but each of those come with different requirements as well. Like, so let's keep in mind that if you just want to generally know what's going on at your event, you may not want to install all the hardware required to run NFC well, right? It may, you may have to install hardware to make sure that you're tracking people up close. You have all the scanning equipment there. And let's just say you have to move the event outdoors in a hurry. How do you move all that equipment, right? So there's a lack of flexibility that can occur the, the deeper you invest in some of these tracking technologies. Uh, another thing to keep in mind, uh, a story I heard prior is that somebody had an event had invested in expensive NFC badges, but the problem was that they were heavy and cumbersome for the attendee. So they all ended up getting left on banquet tables at the event. So now you've got this expensive technology, which had a purpose, which is therefore not even being used anymore. So I think you have to just make sure that you understand what your goals are for the event, because that's going to become with some investments that you need to make overall. So what I would recommend event planners do is think about what are we trying to leverage this location data for? How specific do we need it to be? Can the digital badge with session scanning get us where we need to go or do we need to go above that? And if you need to go above that, think about what type of investment you're willing to make and talk with different vendors about what the capabilities are because they're not all created equal. They all have different uses. They're all extremely valuable, but there are some considerations there. Yeah. Can you track people on their phone? Would that be something? And I don't think, again, like it goes back to the question, what are you using that data for? Is it going to be valuable? If you-, you you certainly could, but I think that's a, uh, at this point, an opt-in type thing you would need. Yeah. Entry. But I think like having, you know, scanning capabilities on the entrance and exit of any session that you're, you're organizing, I think that can provide both safety benefits and data benefits to the attendee. And if you gamify a little bit so that people are see a reason or incentivized to actually provide that information around the event, that can help to enrich the data that they, uh, that they have. Yeah. And then going back to a previous comment that you made, you know, so what you're collecting all this data, how are you going to use it? Is it valuable? What are you doing with it? If you were in my shoes as an event organizer, Jim, how would you collect this data? What would you be looking at? What are people like your clients looking at? Are you getting a sense of any particular data sets that are of interest? So I think overall, you want to make sure you have the right infrastructure and architecture to track. You know, it needs to be organized and provided to your team in a way that it can be digestible overall. It needs to come from probably one place. So you don't want somebody at the virtual event and the live event the next day and you're tracking them in two different ways, two different attendees. And that's, that would just end up confusing it. I think it depends on what your goals are, right? I mean, I think that if you're if you're a company trying to develop new users and sell them something, you're going to want an understanding of how they spent their time in that show so you know where to target them with certain marketing materials. If you're not trying to sell them something, but it's part of a different ecosystem or goal, I think overall there's there's other data that you look for. So again, the, the keys for me is knowing what your goals are up front, get, making sure the data is organized and clean and that you can leverage it. And then you have to have the team on your side or partner with someone who can actually put it to use for you. Now, it should feed into your CRM systems as it is. If you're partnered with a company like Eventry, like we already link up with the CRM system. So there's a seamless flow of that information from the event into the CRM. But part of that is on um, just on the event organizer to make sure that they're set up appropriately to know how to, to leverage it. And like you said, like it's not worth making the investment if you're not going to leverage the data. If, if you're going to end up just running a, uh, an email campaign after the event, you know, based on what you learned at registration, uh, you know, don't spend your time tracking everybody's move around the event, right? But uh, we're now entering a day and age where you can leverage that far more than ever before. Your event software partner should be able to help you make the most of that. 
great point. Make sure you know why you're collecting data before you spend a pretty penny on on the tracking technologies. Okay, Jim, big question here. In your opinion, what is the most irritating question that an event can ask when you're registering? <laughs> oh, that, that's that's a really funny question. I'll say this, that um, I'll have to think for a minute. The problem is you get that fatigue factor, in my experience, after about eight questions, right? So I think that that's my bar for what you can do on the front end. If possible, I would recommend just have a couple of questions and then have um, a different way of interacting with people so you're gaining information as time goes on. So I think overall, the thing I would say that's most irritating would be... Um, would be too many questions, but somewhat jokingly, I will say that uh, one thing I've noticed at events is the the dietary restriction question is often not put to use. So I'm a person who I'm lucky enough to be able to eat many foods, but often you'll register for an event. They ask you the question about your dietary restrictions. And then when the meal's presented, you just show up to a table full of turkey sandwiches <laughs> without any commentary on what meets the dietary restrictions that people selected. So I find from that perspective, it's like, why ask the question if you're going to like gear up somebody who has a gluten allergy like my wife or something else and and then not provide them with the actual product that they that they commented on. So that's one thing that uh, that comes to mind. That's a good one. I'm glad we don't ask that because <laughs> that's our we. I mean, yeah, don't ask it if you're not going to do anything with it. I think that's generally don't ask any questions. But I like the the fact that you said, keep it short, eight questions, ask what you need follow up with other things that will gain more insight at a later date. I like that a lot. When is it eventually going to have facial recognition registration? You know, I've seen it at airports. When is that going to happen? <laughs> yes, you'll be the first to know, Haley. It's on, uh, we're thinking about it. So we're excited about the capabilities. We love that a large event can now leverage facial recognition to add safety components, make it easier uh, we also love that the top of the line systems can work in very crowded environments, like at a baseball stadium. So we we think the sky's the limit there. We all know that security and privacy is a huge consideration in facial recognition. So I think there's some effort that needs to be put around how we leverage it. But Mobile yeah. World Congress did did leverage it in 2019. And uh, I think anybody looking at facial recognition also needs to recognize that it comes with an investment as well. You're going to need the right lighting. You're going to need the right equipment, processing power to make the use of it. So it's like one of those things where obviously like an airport setting, it makes perfect sense why you would invest at that level. You just need to make sure that it's worthwhile for your use case at the event that you're organizing. But I think uh, the question alone is exciting because it's such a great period of innovation in our industry and excited for where we're positioned, but also excited for what we expect to see rolling out uh, in our market in the next few years to make events more exciting and tech enabled. Yes, it's such an exciting time. It really is. Well, Jim, thanks for talking to me today. I really look forward to seeing what's in store in terms of the AI-driven networking, your all-in-one platform evolution, and the next generation of registration technology. Thank you for listening to this episode. And if you thought it was pretty decent, please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen. Stay tuned for more amazing guests who will help you navigate the treacherous but exhilarating virtual, in-person, hybrid waters in case of an event. <laughs>